and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're talking about print and play games. And this might just be part one, because we'll be honest, we haven't really played many print and plays. So we'll talk about why that is and maybe talk ourselves into trying some out. Maybe. But first, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the SGC. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Okay. Should we should we pull back the curtain? We're pretty good at pulling back the curtain and let people know what we've done this week. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it sound like we created a monster or something awful. We, we sort of have. Well, it depends on how that last episode turns out. But... <laughs> <laughs> So this is our third episode in a week. Um, we're recording. This is August 15th right now. And I think this isn't going to go on the air until like two weeks from at least three, two and two and a half weeks. I don't know. It's a while from now. Two and a half. Yeah. It'll probably yeah. be what? The 26th or the 27th like that? At somewhere around there. So a while. Um, but yeah, because Kitty and Fletcher have been out of town by the time you hear this. So we needed to record ahead of time. And this makes us slap I think we happy. are still. You might still be out of town. One of we're you will be. We're out of town. I, I will be. <laughs> Fletcher's definitely out of town. Oh, I yeah. might be back. When when people are listening to this, I'll be in Hawaii. So. Yeah. So that means that we are crazy because we've been talking about games pretty much every single night for three nights in a row. And then Kitty and I are recording a news podcast right after this one. So, yeah. we're this is This is our dedication to you listeners yeah so take it (laughs) podcast (laughs) prepare your ears (laughs) get ready okay um so we don't really have any other banter to talk about because we have bantered ourselves out i think unless you guys literally in the show notes it just says banter and it never has any there's two blank bullet points next to it but we never put anything next to it uh i mean i could talk about my upcoming vacation or kitty you could talk about your upcoming vacation yeah where are you guys going well i'm going to hawaii so, you said that yeah <laughs> so why did I'm you ask to, <laughs> i'm going to minnesota like the middle of nowhere super far north minnesota so we're gonna be that's at opposite the- ends <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say that that's the opposite of hawaii <laughs> It is kind of the yeah. well. I mean, there's water, so there's that. Um, yeah, but yeah. Minnesota's like landlocked, and I'm on yeah, an it's island. Like basically, it's the land of a thousand la- or ten thousand lakes. The land of ten thousand lakes. Yeah, that's because they count puddles. I mean, this lake is. I would say. Is it a great lake? I didn't think so. No, it is lake. not a great lake. No. <laughs> exactly. No, it's a. I wouldn't even call it a moderate lake. <laughs> <laughs> I would call it a medium smallish lake. But it's a nice lake. It's clear and it's perfect for paddleboarding, which I love to do. So I am curious the difference between a lake and a pond. I think I know. I think a pond is standing water and a lake has some kind of fresh source of water, if I had to guess. But yeah, I don't know. I have the size no doesn't really matter. I thought it had to do with like the percentage that froze over winter. Interesting. Hmm. I don't know. This, this is something we could Google, but since Kitty has been banned I've from been the internet while recording. From Googling. <laughs> No more Googling. We won't. <laughs> All right. My internet has been disabled. <laughs> Not really, but I'm pretending like it has. Yes. I'm going to put child lock on your websites. Lock everything. It's like, wait a minute. All right. So this topic was suggested by a wonderful listener by the name of Amanda Skogberg. I'm going to stand by that. Um, <laughs> if you say quickly enough, it. maybe they won't know. <laughs> Amanda Skogberg. Um, she was asking a question which made me think of the fact that we all never really do print and plays and i wanted to kind of visit that from a why not perspective now i went never is a little bit strong of a word i've done a little bit but she reads or she writes and she wrote some other stuff too but she's suggested a show topic <laughs> on the well at some point in time. i'm just i'm just grabbing a paragraph out of it <laughs> She's like, I suggest this toe topic for pros and cons of print and play games. She says, I know that I love to first try out a game and have done the print and play games to determine if I like it and then gone and purchased the game if we did. Because I don't get to play often, I have trouble justifying buying games unless I know I can for sure get them to the table. And my gaming group has tons of games that I can borrow if I need, if need be. But I really love having my own physical copy of a game. The print and plays are nice to get. 
um, an idea of the game, but I love good game components. So will normally, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Print and play is nice, but she likes good game components and will normally buy the game if her family is interested in it. So this is our premise. What do you guys think of print and plays? Have you ever done a print and play? Um, I'll go first. No, right. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Excellent. It was the, I forget the name uh, again, even though we just talked about it. What was the one that you recommended? To Codex. Codex. So I had the Codex file and I was looking at it. I never actually printed anything out. And I was just like, I don't know if I really want to play this game with paper cards. And the game kind of looked interesting, but I think you lost inter- interest in it kind of quickly. So then I didn't have anybody to play with. And I sure as hell wasn't going to get anybody else to like print out cards and play with me. So um, that's pretty much my experience with print and play, except for one PlayStation 2 game. I think it's called overmind I'll, I'll look it up later wait you printed a playstation 2 game no it was a problem in the game so you would buy these it was a card game you'd buy these physical cards at a game store and then you would arrange them use the playstation i um and you would arrange them on this mat and you would play these cards on the mat and then the other person would play the cards on the map and they would come alive like on screen a- and then you could move these ar ish it wasn't really AR. It was just kind of like recognizing what card you place on, on where on the mat. And then on the screen, it would be like something completely different. But anyway, um, it would, you'd have to buy these cards, but people realize like, I don't have to buy the cards. Like people have scanned <laughs> these cards and uploaded them online. And then you could just buy the, you didn't have to buy the PDF. You could just find the PDF and then print it out because the cards were there just to tell the PlayStation I that you had this physical card in your deck. But it, so people use basically it for the only the only time you've ever done a print and play is for stealing. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> for stealing and cheating because everyone else was stealing and cheating. And to make the game any fun, you have to stay competitive. You have to stay competitive, and then that's when I yeah. stopped. Well, it's also it was called the Eye of Judgment. Two. That's what it was called, the Eye of Judgment. All right, but that was also PlayStation Two. So we're talking about fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah. So. The internet was barely a thing, and well, it was totally the idea a thing, that you could. But... <laughs> well, I guess it was. Man, I'm old because I do remember when the internet didn't exist. Like when it was, yeah. To the be internet fair, used to 15 be years ago, YouTube didn't exist. That is true. So therefore, the internet didn't exist. The good parts of it. <laughs> the good parts. So yeah, that's what my... about you, Kitty? Uh, okay, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just gonna let you get out of your. Uh, thievery confession i think the statute of limitations <laughs> has expired on it so you should be good yeah i'm sorry <laughs> yeah but it piracy does, is illegal yeah it does bring up a good point with print and plays though that i'm going to add to talk about is like the legality of some of this stuff because it there, it's an issue all right so all right what about you kelly kitty um i like the idea of print and plays but i realized something which is i don't actually own a printer here at my house i have no printer so i actually um through kickstarter you'll see a lot of these um kickstarter games where um, i could probably have kickstarted a printer and it would have arrived by the time where i was like oh i could just get my old because we have a printer at the building but when we moved we didn't move it it's still still uh hanging out in the basement of that building so i could go get it but I haven't, um, and I could have kickstarted one, and it probably would have arrived by now in that time frame. Um, but on Kickstarter, you will often see, you know, there's a tier for a lot of uh, games where you can just get a print-and-play copy. And a lot of card games will have it, and some other games, too. Um, and I've also seen, there was one that I actually backed that was just a print-and-play. It was basically like, hey... This is our kind of concept. We have this print and play version. If you back this, it will help us get the full Kickstarter launched. So it was like kind of a so I so I backed that one just so I could get further updates on their um launching a physical Kickstarter. But then I was like, oh well, I already have the print and play, so that seems silly to do it, but and now it's just a file sitting to my computer that I still haven't played. So you back the print and play anything. to back the physical copy, but when the physical copy came out, you said, well, I have the print and play, so I don't need the physical copy. And then you never actually used the physical copy or the print and play copy either. That about sums it up. I accept yep. physical right. challenge. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I do like when Kickstarters offer print and plays, especially when it's during the campaign, but not so I can download it and play the game, but so I can download it and see what the art and like graphic design of the game is. So I oftentimes use print and plays that are demo versions of games, which is oftentimes what they are, um, to evaluate whether or not I want to back the game in general. Now, some games, the print and play is the full game. It's just when you back the the physical game, you're going to get much better components than what you would do on your own. And then to add on to Fletcher's mention of Codex, uh, first of all, I've never really lost interest in it. It's an amazing game. It just, there were so many other games. It's, it's one of those things where <laughs> I, I have it, I will always keep it. Well, every See, time lost I... lost interest doesn't mean like, you don't like I it. move past it or I don't like it. It's just that, you know, it's not at the top of your pile anymore. Yes, it, it fell down the priority queue. Although it's yeah. still, I love that game. Now, I will say Codex was kind of a precursor to Keyforge because Codex works a very similar way. Whereas, you know, asymmetric, you're playing cards, but on your turn, you're the only one that does anything and everything else is predictive on the other person's turn. So that's one of the things I really liked about it. But, and that's why I printed all printed the cards. So I actually did print a couple sets of these cards so that I could give them to other people to so they can play against me because I bought everything deluxe version blah 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 blah. but I'm like well you really have to have your own cards to like feel you own it so printed them out cut them out put in the magic card to put this in there put them in sleeves so they had some good weight and feel to them and then never actually played it after that because I had the real copies and so now I have a stack of multiple print and play decks set up that have never been played I have some at my house I think I have the blue set yeah, and I have a purple set here. So, and and so yeah, so the the idea of it was cool. The effort, it was a lot of effort. And and maybe that's a bad example because in that game I, it was something like 60 cards per faction and there were it's a lot of factions. cutting and stuff, right? Exactly. Yep. And and it's never going to look as good as if you had real cards. So, you know, cutting multiple things at a time oftentimes because you don't want to. It was just there's a lot of work in this. And I knew I was going to buy the game anyway. If I like the game, I'm going to buy it. And if I liked a game, if I think a game is interesting enough to actually spend the time to cut out components and stuff, the chances are I don't need the print and play. I'm going to go directly to buying the physical copy. Like, I, my... My time is worth more to me than what would be saved on not having the print and play. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I'd rather spend, you know, 50 to $100 on a game than spend 10 hours printing something out and cutting it up and coming and having a subpar version of the game afterward. That doesn't mean that these aren't valuable in other ways, though. Like I said, evaluating without looking. But... What about print and play games that don't have a physical version? Is that something that would be interesting to you guys? Um, maybe print and play seems like it. I don't know. Like it's kind of a lot of work and it's paper. Like I feel <laughs> like I'm just going to crumple it up. It's going to get ruined. And I, I want to, I want a nice set. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's something that I would ever be super terribly interested in. And again, I've never really given it a fair shake, so I wouldn't say I, I can't really say. But I feel like if there was a physical copy and it seemed like I would enjoy the game, I'd probably just go for the physical copy. And like you, Chris, I might just like look at a print and play version just to, for fun and to see like, the artwork and everything on my computer. Yeah, and and but I like you know what Amanda says here of you know I want to try a game before I buy it. I totally agree with that premise. I'm just the type of person where I when I, I rarely play a game more than once. So even if I played the game and really liked it, I'm like, oh, okay, I've played that. I don't need to get the physical copy anymore. So I'd be like Kitty where I'm like, well, I have the print and play. I played it. It's a really great game, but I already played it, so I don't need to buy it. And I don't know if that's a good thing either. I don't know if it's a bad thing, but it's probably better for my wallet. But then printer ink is so expensive. <laughs> Yeah, Kitty, I think you should just buy a new printer because it comes with ink because trying to get your new old one. <laughs> yeah, it's almost as much to buy all of the ink that you need as it is to just buy a new printer. It's ridiculous. 
um, which is the thing, you know, if you're printing these, you know, you want it to look nice. You're trying to make it like, this is the game I'm going to play all the time. You're using a lot of resources. You're using a lot of ink. You're usually printing on cardstock and you're double-sided printing. You're putting like the back of things on stuff. Either that or you're buying sleeves as well and using other cards. You've either got playing cards or magic cards or something in there with the cards. It's not free. Yeah. It's and it's and then your time spent, depending on how much you oh, want yeah. to charge for that. Yeah. So Yeah, even uh, if you're just paying yourself pennies, they add up. <laughs> yeah. And and that's why I'm like, I don't necessarily do the whole print and play thing for that exact reason. It's not free. It seems like it's easy. It's like, oh, I can use this stuff that I already have. But it in the long run, if you do this a lot, it does cost quite a bit. Um Probably still not as much as buying all the games. No, 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 no. It's definitely cheaper than the game itself. But also, it's like, hey, a uh, group of friends, come on over. We're going to play this cool game. And then you start bringing out, like, cut up pieces of construction paper and handing that out. It just doesn't have quite the same table presence. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, I really like it when companies offer the print and play um, because I do look at it. And like you said, you know, I'll read the rule book. I'll look at the cards. I can see the art. I can get an idea of how the game is going to play much better than just from reading the rule book alone. You can see what kind of effects the cards have, especially card games. I think this is where you see it the most is in card heavy games lend themselves well to print and plays. Um, And yeah, you can read not just like this kind of card does this kind of thing. You can read all of what those cards do. And it gives you a much better idea of how the game is going to play and if it'll be something you enjoy. So I often look at the print and play to decide if I want to buy it, but it's not, I look at the print and play to print and play it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Gloomhaven actually had a print and play for that sounds his terrible. original Kickstarter. Well, think, <laughs> think about it this way. You could print out and then you have the map on a single piece of paper. So you don't have to put that together. Right. And then you're, your little monster dudes are just printed, folded in half, and somehow you know, tape it together and keep it standing up. And then you have a bunch of cards there. So it actually does lend itself to being a relatively easy game to do a print and play of, as long as you're doing like, here's this demo scenario. Here are these, the creatures you need. Here are the cards you need. Ready, go. Just you, don't you'd sneeze. have to strip it down. Yeah, exactly. I would think it also could lend itself really well to, I don't know if this would count as a print and play though, as if, you know, you have all the components there and it's just replacing like, you know, the setup pieces and it tells you to, you know, arrange the pieces that you already have in different orders and put out the monsters you have in different places. It, like, that's the thing about Gloomhaven. It seems kind of infinitely rearrangeable. Yeah. That's so, true. but I don't know if that would be a print and play or just a new scenario. If Gloomhaven... Two electric boogaloo came with <laughs> came with a map book where like kind of like the Ryan Lockett map books where you open it up and yeah. you know there it is it's all set up that would be amazing that would, that would be save nice. so much setup time yeah ah all right I, I'm I'm pretty sure Isaac listens to this podcast so Isaac you can take that one I won't take any credit for it though uh, um, I did get no, yeah it when I when I play Gloomhaven um we did get a organizer for the game and that makes setup and tear down way easier um so yeah. i would suggest anybody who plays gloomhaven go ahead and invest in an organizer it's gonna be like a third of the price of the game that you paid but it's totally <laughs> worth it if you hate it might even be more than that i think they're like 60 bucks for it which is it depends on where you're getting them i don't know a single person who plays gloomhaven out of the box it is all everyone I know who plays it has all the components sorted into different like either what is it broken token makes the like broken special makes, fancy yeah makes the really fancy but one. it fits yeah. in the box yep that's yeah. what I use but um but you know you can also just go to container store and get yourself like a caboodle or something mine <laughs> yeah it's mine not fits as nice. in yeah, mine fits in three different plastic boxes and sits on top of the Gloomhaven box um but I digress because the Gloomhaven print and play. That one you don't need any storage solution for. It sits flat. You can put it in a folder. And then you and just boom. burn it up when you're done. You just <laughs> exactly. Can be like, I, think you I don't need have like to put anything those, away. Like... It goes in the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to need like a trapper keeper for all of your different maps. and Because if you think one of those maps is like one sheet of paper, you're kidding yourself. A map is going to be like four sheets. It's true. Probably four. You're... Two two to yeah. four, yeah. 
Yeah, you've got your people. Like, no, that's like a three-inch thick binder. It's going to be like a well, map, the other thing, I guess. That you have to unfold. <laughs> the other thing you, but the other thing you can do with a print-and-play is you can actually scale everything down just a little bit. You don't need it to take up that much space. You just need everything to be relative scale. Yeah, have fun moving your character with tweezers. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you could also see. make it bigger if you wanted. This might be a really good um, option for people who are visually impaired. Yeah. That kind of started as a joke, but then I changed my mind halfway through the sentence. That might actually be a really, like some of these card games, you know, you yeah. instead of printing them like more poker sized cards, you could print them, you know, closer to tarot. And yeah, it's going to be a little bit unwieldy, but you know, people could actually read the text. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. And then there's a number of components. And I, I always talk about the Game Crafter because it's my go to for this type of stuff. But you know, when you're talking about standees, when you're doing a print and play, oftentimes the print and play will turn into little triangles. So you fold it in half and then you fold the ends of each half in and then you tape them together. So these little triangle things, but you could get some, uh, like card holder, like the little, I don't know, figure card holders from like the game crafter, clippy. like clippy yeah, things. Yep. And those could be your standees, you know, so there's most, not most, but many print and plays will have dice that you need. So. You know, you have some extra dice on hand. Normally people have that. But there's a number of things you can do to make print and place a little bit more sturdy by having like these extra components on hand. Sorry, was that a cat or a baby? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's my baby, but nobody can hear them because my microphone's not picking it up. But you will pick it up. (laughs) It's not my baby. (laughs) That's definitely not my baby. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a problem. Or my cat. Sorry, my mom things. instincts just kicked in. Like, do I need to do a thing? <laughs> so for our listeners, we when we're recording, we record into very directional mics. We have to talk directly into them, and it's it makes our it makes the sound quality really well. But what we hear from each other is usually just a computer mic or it is a headphone mic or something that is far more sensitive to background noise. So Except Zachary just me. decided except for you. (laughs) So Zachary just decided to wake up and it's very easy to hear him over my computer mic, but our listeners won't hear it at all. So broke, breaking the fourth wall (laughs) for sound wall, sound barrier, breaking the sound barrier. Nailed it. (laughs) You're on fire tonight. You got there. Got there. Yeah. All right, print and plays, you could print scalable. Yes, and components you can get from GameCrafter or other, or you can just steal them from other games that were really bad and drove you to use print and plays in the first place to judge games. You just steal them from those. What games metal coins? You're constantly using these metal coins in other games. Oh, Seafall. <laughs> yeah, Seafall, if you pre-ordered it, you would get uh, a like a crate. They put it in a little treasure chest because it's like a pirate-style game or so um, of metal coins. And this game was supposed to be super, super hot because it came out right after Pandemic Legacy. It was Rob Davio. It was like his next Legacy game. It was going to be amazing. I pre-ordered two of them. So I got two sets of these metal coins. And the games themselves, um, well, we did have one played, but it was by... Yeah. <laughs> You are showing card. Um, yeah, this so, would be really great if people could see us. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I one have my game, player character from Tim. Yep. Tim played it. Yep. So one person picked it up at our Gen Con show two years ago. It was Timothy. And he played it. So that's great. And I kept the metal coins for use in all kinds of other games, which I use in Gloomhaven, actually, because they make really good Gloomhaven coins. So, Yeah. Steal components from other things to make the print and place work. All right. There's two kinds of print and place, though, that I would potentially consider. And actually, and there's another one that I think I can get Fletcher to try out. And even I may try this out. So when I was thinking about this episode, I knew that we weren't... never me. Maybe, maybe. I won't do it. (laughs) I don't think think you'll play one of these, but I might. Um, But when I was thinking about this episode, I know I wanted to talk about it, but I sort of wanted this to be a before. And then I wanted to find some print and play games that were worth the time to play, to print and play that break the rule of, well, if there's a physical version, I'll just get the physical version. Or it takes too much time to cut everything out. So it's just, you know, I I have better things to do with my time. And there are a number out there, and I know that there are probably way more than this. Um, These are just ones that I'd I'd heard about. But before I go into those, this is a teaser. Um, 
I want to talk about a class of games that I think work really well for print and play, and I don't have specific games for it, but those would be roll and writes. Imagine, I'm going to go very simple here. Imagine that you can print out a Yahtzee sheet, and it says on the sheet, here are the rules, and you need five dice, and now you can play. There's really no effort to that, right? If you wanted to play Yahtzee, you, Yahtzee could be a print and play. It doesn't need to have a published version of it. It's true. Now, there are many roll and writes out there. It's all the rage these days. Um, Ganshan Clever is a fantastic roll and write, although I've only ever played it in app form and it's not a good app. I don't know why it won the, the Golden Geek Award, but the game is amazing. And that is just a piece of paper and six different colored dice. That's all you need to play that game. It could easily be a print and play game. And there's lots of other roll and writes that could fall into that category. So my question is, is that something that you could see yourself doing? It's like, okay, here, print this piece of paper. It is something you're going to write on, you're going to use. You need some dice, maybe like, you know, some polyhedral stuff. So D&D dice or whatever. Um, and all the game you need is right here on this piece of paper. Is that something that could interest you? Um, yeah. I could, yeah. Yeah. I could do uh, that. Because it doesn't seem like a lot of right. setup and teardown. It's just like, basically, it's an it's like playing Mad Libs almost, right? Like, it's like a print-and-play game. Yeah. I mean, I've played a lot of roll and rights. I own several roll and rights. And, you know, when it comes down to, you, basically, they give you a pad of paper a lot of times. That's just the written out thing that you could have easily printed yourself and if you actually play it a lot of times you know you're gonna start making copies because you're not gonna go buy a second copy of the game you've already i feel like i paid for it once i'm not paying for like the notepad i'm paying for like the idea so now i'm allowed to make as many copies as i want and i don't know if that's stealing or not i don't know a lot of people just laminate it They'll laminate the yeah. f- enough for X number of players and then have dry erase markers. Use there. a dry erase, yeah. Or yep. even a wet erase. Yep. I feel like a wet erase might be safer because then you don't smear your work with your hand all the time. Yeah, Especially you have to be careful. Certain lamination, laminating pouches don't work well with wet erase, as in they'd never erase. So test first before you laminate yes. your super rare Ganshan Clever, the last sheet. Say It could happen. Yeah, laminate the first sheet, not the last sheet. <laughs> exactly. Test it out on the first one. Um, or you could even use, like, you know, I lo- most of the PDFs I have, I read on my iPad. And I have a PDF editor. So you could you could even, not you don't even have to print it out. If it's just a matter of marking things on a sheet, you could easily just do that. Use a PDF editor and be able to mark things up that way. So there's, that kind of thing does sort of interest me. Um there's a lot of really good roll and writes out there now and they use custom dice and they may have some extra cards that go along with it. So I think that your pure Ganshan clever Yahtzee type of roll and writes might be, I don't know if they're overshadowed by these other ones that have a little bit more to them, but it's certainly something like a class of game that I could see myself saying, Oh yeah, I just download this and grab some dice and grab some friends and I'm good to go. And I could see playing this. I would also kind of put it in like the, you know, you can get the refill pack for, a lot of the games, you know, once you buy or you can buy like, you know, the less expensive, like the accessory only pack, maybe, and just get like the dice and whatever. And you don't have to buy the pencils, the paper, whatever else and save on shipping because it'll be a littler package, maybe. A cute littler package. Yeah. <laughs> like a tiny epic package. Aw. I miss the tiny or ultra tiny epics galaxies Kickstarter. It makes me sad. So I'm gonna have to just buy it straight up. What? I know. Well, I want to. Okay. This is totally off topic, but I'm very curious about how your I'm only backing 10 Kickstarters this year means that you just buy the games later and then go on eBay (laughs) and buy the Kickstarter exclusives. (laughs) I think that should count because I know you're going to do it at least once. So, if there are, (laughs) so this is a great question and it is off track, but I'll get it back to Tiny Epic. Ultra Tiny Epic Galaxies and Print and Plays in just a second. Um, uh, if there is a Kickstarter exclusive, that is usually will be the games that I'll back. And if there's something that doesn't have a Kickstarter exclusive, but will go to retail and I may be interested in when it goes into retail, that one I won't back, but I may end up buying it in retail. But I'm not 
planning to, or at least have not tried to plan to, um, pick up a game and then be like, oh, I missed the Kickstarter, so now I'm going to go get all the accessories on on eBay. Um, I'm more likely just not going to get those, so I'm not tempted. But back to ultra tiny epic (laughs) galaxies, those ones also have print and plays. And it is another game that actually kind of is very well suited to a print and play, uh, especially the ultra tiny version. I don't know if the ultra tiny version has a print and play, but I would assume it does since pretty much all of the tiny epics do um, because they're all the same size card. You're not dealing with different size cards and you can just, you know, kind of like codex print them out. They print nine to a page. You can cut down the lines. And once you've done that, you have yourself a fully playable game. You do need some colored cubes again, game crafter, but um, it it is a, way of doing it. Now, is that worth it? Or should I just buy the $10 deck of cards that is the Ultra Tiny Epic Galaxy? So again, that goes back to that same, maybe I should just buy the, the normal one. Okay, two games I want to talk about that I've not played, but I'm super, super going to play. <laughs> and then... <laughs> super going to play you, those games. Super going to play it. And you guys are each going to pick one or both of them to play as well. And then we are going to ask our audience, well, just at the audience right now, is there a print and play that is not based on a physical game or does not have a physical equivalent that you feel we should try out and play? Keep in mind, we're super lazy. Mm-hmm. We, some of us don't have printers. and My parents do. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to go out of our way to print something but are willing to do it for something good. So if there's something out there, let us know. Because I want to play a few of these games and maybe do a follow-up episode in a few weeks on Print and Plays Played. That'll be the name of the episode. So the first one I want to talk about, though, is A4 Quest. Now, this one, I've heard it talked about quite a bit. And if you go to Board Game Geek and go to... um oh. I, I had the name of it a second ago. I'm going to find you the name here. Um, actually, just search for A4 Quest. A4 is a paper size um, that everyone in Europe knows, but in the US, we just call it like a standard paper. There's there's not quite the same, but it's close enough. I was going to say it's not quite eight and a half by 11, but yeah. it's closest to eight and a half by 11. Yeah. So what a quote unquote standard size piece of paper, depending on where you are. Um, and this is a... It's sort of a dungeon crawl and a character, like a resource management dungeon crawl. You print it out and the first page is this dungeon that you're kind of stepping through. It almost looks like comic book style. So you're like stepping through the different frames of this dungeon. Each one has certain symbols that you need to accomplish tasks in it. You might get loot. Um, you might need to roll certain movement dice to move forward. It does require six-sided dice. And then there's like um, on the bottom of the... Uh, sheet, it tells you all, like, if I roll, I think I roll two dice for treasure. And if I roll a seven to nine, I get a shield. If I roll an eight, I get two shields and two swords or whatever that is. I honestly don't know. Because the next part of this is your character sheet. So you have a, a separate character sheet. You have a dungeon sheet and a character sheet. And then the rest of this one, two, three page so it's a total of five pages the the other three pages are just instructions on how to play you only need to print two pieces of paper here the other ones can be on the computer on the ipad and i think this looks really really cool the art is nice i mean it looks like just as good of art as any other thing which is very appealing it's not just like someone threw this together and said here are some cool rules i can't do art so i'm going to make this a print and play there's there was some thought behind this one so this is one that i'm very very I don't want to say tempted to play. I wanted to play it before we did this episode. I just didn't have time. Um, go visit back the first three minutes where we talked about recording four podcasts in a week. <laughs> uh, but um, I think this one seems really cool. And does are you guys looking at this? I know I said no internet, but you're allowed to search for this one. No. Oh, I wasn't searching because you told me no internet. <laughs> Send me a link and I will look I at it. I was listening carefully. <laughs> All right, Being I very you- attentive, attuned to what you were saying. All right, I will send you a link after the episode, um, and we can take a look at it. <laughs> mostly because mind. it's on the it's on the iPad, and I can't send you the link from that to the computer. But um, that one, I think, is definitely worth doing. The other one, you guys should search for as well. Search for Tiny T I N Y forming one word Mars. 
That is tiny, tiny forming, forming Mars. Tiny forming Mars. This was on the hotness. Ooh, I don't know, three four weeks ago, we talked about this. It is a print and play yeah. for one to two players, inspired Actually, by. It was longer ago than that, but yeah, it was a while ago. Um, but yeah, it's a print and play for one to two players. It is obviously based on terraforming Mars, but it's all original art and like it's original gameplay elements. But it's you know you would if you liked terraforming Mars and just wanted a tiny version to carry around, and it's a one or two player game. This is something that you could potentially do. And I, again, this is one of those things where I think, you know, looking at this, I kind of want to play this. It looks neat. I'm not the hugest fan of Terraforming Mars, but this is a tinier version. It plays faster, plays, I can play it solo. So you can play Terraforming Mars solo as well. Um, but yeah, this looks really kind of cool. So both these games, are you guys willing to play it for our next episode? Oh, give them a shot. As long as I don't have to do the printing. No, no, no. You have to do the printing. You have to do the whole thing because that's part of the deal of a print and play. I can do one of these, right. maybe. <laughs> I think I can also do my print and play that I already own that I should really. Yeah, do that too. Yeah, the A4 Quest one actually has a bunch of expansions from what I can see too. So if you liked that gameplay, you could play it like or different dungeons and different characters and things like that, making it like really cool. Like, this I'm is why you told to me I'm not out. allowed to use the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you looking at? Right now I'm looking at Tiny Forming Mars. Yeah. It doesn't seem interesting. It's just a number of cards. Well, there's like boards and pieces here too. Um, no, what you're looking at is the cutting board. Because the picture that you're... I think you're... Well, the picture I'm looking at is a cutting board. Um, there is... Yes, there is a, a play space, like a board where... You're placing your little things, but it's oh, also there's tiny hexes too. Yeah, it's tiny hexes, and I think that that might be like a standard piece of paper size. So it's just like printed onto a piece of paper, and that is your board. Again, minimizing the amount of stuff that you have to cut out. The hexagon tiles are going to be annoying to cut, but I don't know. This looks like a lot of bits to me. But it does. But fun. But a lot of bits. Yeah. Now my question is: so A4 Quest. That makes so much sense to just be a print and play. Like I said, it's you print a piece of paper. There is no cutting. It's just here you go. You pr- actually you print two pieces of paper and you're done. And you don't do anything else besides have some dice and have a writing utensil. You need a token to represent where your little guy is in the dungeon, which you can use a penny or another die if you wanted to. Um, terror or tiny forming Mars, however, this looks like an actual game, and I'm wondering why make this a print and play. Well, why just make this a print and play? Why not also have this available on something like the Game Crafter, where I can go and I can spend money to have it printed for me and then delivered? Licensing? Like, this looks really borderline infringing on Terraforming Mars. <laughs> it does. Maybe. And the biggest discussion on here is, is this infringement? So, trademark infringement would be, because it's not copyright infringement, because everything's original art, and you can't copyright a rule set. So, even if they use the same rules, which they don't, that would be fine. The only thing that could potentially be a trademark infringement is Tiny Forming Mars being confused with Terraforming Mars and having them be too close where this would affect the sales of Terraforming Mars. It would be a tricky thing. What I would do if, and I, if the listener or if the, the creator of Ter- Tiny Forming Mars is listening, contact Stephen Bonacore and say, hey, I created this game. People like it. Can I put it on the Game Crafter to be print on demand and just want to make sure that you're cool with it? Because Stephen Bonacore is a pretty cool guy. He'll probably look at it and be like, yeah, sure. Why not? Because I don't think he's going to say, wait a minute, this is going to pull sales away from my hyper successful super mega hit. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, people who enjoy Tiny Forming Mars would probably go and buy the larger version of Terraforming Mars. It might boost his sales. You never know. Exactly. So and when I look at something like this, where I'm like, I would play this, I just don't want to go through the effort of making it. That That's where I'm like, Ugh. so is there a market where someone who really likes making this stuff could like open up an Etsy store and say, hey, this is a print and play that I printed out, cut up, made nice and playable, put it in a cute little Eltoids tin, whatever. And you guys can buy this from me for $20 and I'll send it to you all pre-cut and paid. Do you think there's a market in that? Probably. But 
it might be kind of a small market. Oh, everything on Etsy is a small market. That's true. So then, yes, is my answer. <laughs> well, the other it's thing like, that's I kind want of cool. bespoke printed game, not mass produced, but I don't want to do it myself. <laughs> exactly. But do you see I'm, it? Half the yeah. Half you guys are. Doing it exists. The You're doing the internet. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> Kitty's really getting worse with podcasting over time. I don't really know what's going on. But what she did find... Hey, I'm helping. That <laughs> <laughs> you're sending us a picture and talking. <laughs> what she sent was a Terraforming Mars 3D printed carrying case with components and game from Etsy. So that's what Somebody the internet does. Somebody has already done it. So How much is it? exists on it? Etsy. Yes. $15. That's pretty cheap. For 15 I'm buying it. I'm just clicking add to cart and buy right now. <laughs> <laughs> it looks pretty we nice, too. This is like... live on air. Is there a market? Yeah. Yes. Chris is buying it now. Yeah. <laughs> so it says case components, print and play, $23. Case and components, $18. Oh, so the print and play is an extra $5 okay. if you want the cutout stuff. But if you just want the case and components, which doesn't include any of the cutout stuff, then it's eighteen dollars. If you just want the case, which is look a really cool case, it's and this was what I was about to say is like everyone at Etsy seems to have like an acrylic cutter or a wood burner or like you know, so you're able a 3D to make printer. Yeah, this looks like a three D. There's printed. a huge new market on uh, Etsy for three D printed stuff. Yeah, so this kind of stuff is awesome when you can say, okay, here's this print and play, and that's. Um, it, it's not a print and play, but it's a similar concept. I saw our um, metal Keyforge keys on BGG, then went to Etsy and found out that the person who designed the keys was like contacted by someone who has an Etsy store and says, hey, I would love to get these the files and make these keys and sell them on Etsy. And they kind of worked together to do that. Um, by the way, I met that guy at the Gen Con fair, we were all using, like there was four people using those same keys all at the same time. And he came over and was like, I designed those. I'm like, you did a great job. These are awesome. <laughs> um, but I really like this idea of saying, hey, this is cool print and play. And maybe it's niche. It's it's just not worth, you know, putting full backing behind it. It's not going to be successful on Kickstarter, although this potentially could be. Um, you really need to clear that with Stephen first, though. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it gives... I don't know. It's kind of a win-win. It just seems cool. I just hope that the person who did this it cleared it with the designer of the game. So I am Apple. Oh, I, I love that I can Apple Pay, and then my phone says "smile at me," and I smile at my phone, and then it just works. So I just ordered the t- Tiny Forming Mars. This is cheating, though, because I am going to play it, but because so, I didn't have to. I print think and if play you get it. the eighteen, so if you get the eighteen dollar version. You are just saving yourself the cutting out all the tiny hexes stuff. Yes. That seems to be what it is. Yeah, but that's part and I of think, the so, thing. <laughs> it is. Which is why I wouldn't do this one, I, I don't think. Um, like, of the two games that you told me I'm supposed to play, either A4 Quest or Tiny Forming Mars, Tiny Forming Mars looks like the more fun game to play for me, but it also looks like the... I have a toddler and I am like one grab of a sheet of paper away from having to do this all over again. <laughs> um, just nightmare of cutting. So like I do cross stitch and there is a paper pattern associated with my cross stitch that is supposed to be four sheets of paper. It is now 16 pieces of paper because my toddler will like grab it out of my hand and it was creased and it just ripped right in half four separate times. This has happened to me. Yikes. And I like, I can only imagine trying to do this while he's awake and the precious time when he is asleep, I am not going to put into this. I have such little free time. Well, yes, but I, uh, I, all right, I'm still going to get it because I've already bought it, but (laughs) I'm going to play it and then I will decide whether or not retroactively I should have spent the time printing it out and cutting it up. So I think what you should do is race Etsy. And see <laughs> so if you can get it done before the Etsy one arrives. Um, I could potentially do that. I'm curious to see now. <laughs> this says he has a lot of five-star reviews, so he should be quick. Um, responds quickly. There's no response to how long this will take. You bought this item on August 15th. That was today. Um, yeah, we'll see. There are so many little bits and pieces, though. So many bits and pieces. All right. 
Anyway, we've gone too long about terraforming Mars. <laughs> tiny, or, tiny forming Mars. Tiny, tiny, tiny forming Mars. <laughs> tiny. 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 Whoa. Okay, he does a whole bunch of things. All right, I'm just gonna um like plug this guy for a second. This he Oops, is. We fell down an Etsy hole. <laughs> yeah, he is print and play 3D on Etsy, and he has a ton of stuff for a bunch of different board games, like in 3D printed inserts for board games and stuff. So if if you haven't experienced Etsy as far as like pimping out your board games, oh my gosh. You need to be on Etsy. Yeah. Yeah. Not just for pimping out your board games, but also for pimping out your board games. But Etsy is a great place. Just watch out because there are a lot of um, dupe stores. So make sure that you're actually getting like the handmade quality you're paying for. So. Yeah. Look at the reviews. Make sure there's food there. Contact the seller before that, um, before you like place it because they, you know, a good Etsy store owner will respond to you pretty much immediately. If you send a message saying, hey, can I do this or can do that? And Definitely don't af- within a couple days. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask for things that are custom, too. So I've done that a few times where it's like, oh, you have a plus one counter and you have a plus five counter. But I really want a plus three counter because this particular card does plus three tokens or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, we can do that. And, you know, they'll, they, they usually don't charge anything more either because to them it's no big deal. They have to just put products on there and they'll just list whatever they think is popular. So, yeah, definitely go out support small businesses all right um all right so we're gonna do this we're gonna play a few print and plays uh listeners future listeners because this is gonna be two and a half (laughs) weeks from now (laughs) that poor person who this is their first episode they're gonna be like wow they seem really burned out for some reason yeah what's going on they're just not really so weird (laughs) um send us suggestions for print and plays that are worth doing that are not, again, are not copies of physical versions of games because we will just get the physical versions of games. Okay, should we go to a listener question? Let's do it. All right, I did not put one in the notes, so I'm randomly going to click on one and we're going to see (laughs) what this is. And so I just clicked on Jason Rodney's. I have not read this. This This is in real time. He has three in here. Um, I'm looking for the ones as a question. All right, we're going to do uh, this one because I don't remember this at all now that I'm seeing this, but I, I'm going to go with this. In your competitive games episode, Chris said, spoil spirit. I like the term. That is how I feel about <laughs> Magic the Gathering. I will never play it again. What is the best way to keep someone from gaining a spoil spirit when teaching a game? Mm. Uh, this question is yours. Oh, I have no memory of you doing this. <laughs> I sort of remember, like, it's one of those things I said accidentally, I'm pretty sure. Um, You're trying to say spoil sport, but then you, like, leaned into it? Well, I think what I intended here, and Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, was the when you're playing somebody and the person you're playing across from, they're not a spoil sport because they haven't won or lost yet, but they just don't make the game fun. Like the spirit of the game has been spoiled because of the person you're playing against. So what's the best way of keeping someone from gaining that when teaching a game? Don't win. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I mean, really, when you're teaching a game, you shouldn't be trying to win the game you're teaching, Uh, especially if it's a hidden trader game. (laughs) If you are teaching a hidden trader game, if at all possible, you should not play. (laughs) Yes. You should like it should be one of those situations where it's like, oh, I'm just gonna be like in and out of the room. I'm gonna go play this other game with my friends now. If you have a question, flag me down. Like it's too hard because the the part of you that wants to win is like, yes. But the part of you that's the teacher is like, I should really warn them that they're playing right into my hands, but <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> it's it's a really tough one to navigate. And um Sarah, who we just saw at Gen Con, got me with this. She taught me uh, Dead of Winter. This was like a long time ago. This was way before we even started doing the podcast. Um, And (laughs) yeah, that's a tough one. But completely off topic of this question of spoil spirits, which um, I do agree with Chris is don't, it's not even don't win. It's just like, don't, don't play to beat them. Yes. If at all possible, teach two people or teach the group to play without you or yeah yeah don't play don't play to win you should and you should never ever if you've played the game before 
and you're teaching it, you should never win. That's what they teach demoers. Whenever you go to a convention, the first thing they tell the demoers is lose. You're always supposed to lose. Do not, because it's just it leaves such a bad taste in your mouth. It's like, oh, you've played 55 of these games today and you just beat me. Great. Good for you. <laughs> this game sucks. I'm going to leave. So I don't know if the guy who taught me Keyforge at the demo was actually doing this on purpose, but um, I beat him and it felt really good. And yeah. I kept playing Keyforge. <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> But having- honestly, it felt like, because they were not supposed to be playing the demo. They were, you were supposed to like come up in pairs of two. So I don't know if he did it on purpose. I'm going to well, choose to believe that he didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. You definitely I, earned that win. I earned that win. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and that's how you do that. You you let people win their first game. And you don't have to do it, like, overtly. And honestly, you, if you're playing a game with someone new, it's like, look, we're going to play a, a practice game. We're just going to go through. You can always pull your punches in most games. And once they've done it, they got the idea for it. It's like, okay, now let's play a real game. And I'll try to win. This is especially um, increased in like Euro games with like long term strategy games. Like you just. What was the game that um, is it Concordia that has the like, if you're playing this for the first time, do the like third round score? Yes. Yeah. That's a really good mechanic. Yep. So it's like the end of the game scoring is a little confusing. So if you want to know how to win, if this is your first game, do a mid round scoring and. You know, that way you know what you're going for. And everyone, nobody's gotten too far down one path or another at that point. So yeah. you can get a good feel for it. So those types of things. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to go back to don't win. Don't, don't beat the people you're teaching. Yeah. Demoing 101. Could you, could you reread, um, kind of the question, part of the question again for me? Cause I'm not sure we answered it, but I don't have it written in front of oh. me because you did the show notes weird. Um, what is the best way to keep someone from gaining a spoiled spirit when teaching a game? I think we answered it. I think we covered it. All right. But there is another question that he actually has two other questions in here. Um, and the first one was a longer paragraph. So I didn't start with that one. And because again, just randomly grabbed an email. Um, this is, I recently attended BGG Con Spring. And this was my second year. During the con, I experienced feelings of loneliness. Last year, I attended solo, but it was so new, I may not have felt lonely. I did join a few games, and I'm very open to play most games. I soon found out that most people attend the con attending attending groups. I was able to get past the feeling and made friends with two family groups and enjoyed the rest of the con. What would you say to people who find themselves solo at a con and feel like how I felt? Or someone new to gaming going to their first con? If you suggest meetups... How should one set up a meetup? I wouldn't suggest meetups because I would never set up a meetup. I'm I am too shy to do meetups. So I have an I mean, answer to this, but I'm curious what you guys think. I think um looking for so I don't know how BGG does it, but um most cons that I go to you can like sign up for games in advance and I would look for games that have um like odd numbers of players. <laughs> Yeah. So I it's not just going to be like like two, two, two people, you know, like not everyone at the table can have a buddy, maybe. I don't know. But then you nope. might still be the admin. I don't know. Signing up for like games where it's not just like I'm always going to feel like the third wheel. Um, a lot of tabletop role playing games are really great, great places to meet people at cons. Um, and I know, Chris, you've made a lot of friends playing social deduction games at yes. cons is another one. Um, I think that more traditional board games, it's harder to meet people because people are more focused on the table and the rules. So you're not, you're not looking at the other players. You're looking at the table most of the time. Whereas with role playing games and social deduction games, the social element makes you meet other people at the table. Yeah. That's my opinion. Fletcher, you, you haven't been to a con yet, have you? I haven't been to a con, um, but if I was in that situation, we I guess I would just <laughs> try to go to like games, like playing games with people. That's how you meet people. It's a social <laughs> thing. Like, right. Well, so here's the problem. Certain cons will handle this in different ways. So at a Gen Con, you go up to the library. You say, hey, can I borrow this game? And then you go gather your group that you're going to play and you sit down and play the game. It sounds like I haven't been to BGG Con, but it sounds like it's something similar to that. Other cons that are smaller board game cons, um, Dice Tower Con does this. They actually have 
what look like um like I've seen traffic cones, I've seen like uh just triangular signs, but it'll say players wanted, teacher wanted. Um, I think those are the two main ones. So if you want to play a game, but you don't know how, you grab the game, you put the cone on there saying teacher wanted, and you start reading the rule book. And eventually people are like, oh, that person's starting a game of whatever. I'm going to go over there and I know how to play that so I can teach it. If you put players wanted, then other players are like, oh, Terraforming Mars is about to start. I'm going to go over and see if there's room for me to go. So that is the easiest way that it can that a con in general can make going to the one of these things solo easier because it's hard to walk up to a group that's not looking at you that's not asking for you to be there and saying hey can i play like that's awkward for the most extroverted person um but if there's a sign up there saying hey walk up to me and ask me to play that changes everything i have gone to many conventions alone i haven't in the last 3 or 4 years but many conventions alone. And the, what I do is I walk up and down and watch other people play games. And unless someone actually looks up and say, hey, are you looking for a game? I will not say a word to anybody and I will walk right by and I'll just stare at other people playing games. I don't think I look like a sad puppy, but internally I'm lonely and a sad puppy. So the other thing that a lot of bigger cons do is ticketed events, which Chris would never mention because he never signs up for them. Correct. Ever. Yep. Um, and that's more what I was talking about is schedule yourself to be at games. Um, I think that these ticketed events are often more for people who are afraid to walk up to somebody, even if they have a teacher's wanted or player's wanted sign. And, you know, though that was really easy for me. I'm very introverted. I don't like to introduce myself to people. I played in a bunch of these games at Gen Con, and it was super easy and fun, and I met some really nice people, and I was there with a group, but there were times where I was hanging out at the table after the event, and I was like, oh, man, I've got to run, but I would still stand here and talk to this person for the next, you know, 20 minutes, but I have to go eat and then record my podcast, and then I need to get ready for my Keyforge tournament tomorrow, and then I've got a live podcast right after that, and then I need to go home and pick up my son, and ah! (laughs) (laughs) Adulting. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I do like your social deduction though too. Um, if they don't have ticketed events, again, I don't know how BGG Con sets things up, but if they don't have ticketed events, they usually will have a late night social deduction room. Go there. Whether or not you like social deduction games, just relax and go with the flow. And remember, just go in thinking you're going to lose, but you want to make friends. And you'll find that as people are accusing each other and laughing and having fun, you're going to make friends. You can start asking, like, oh, so what games do you guys play during the day? You know, oh, we do this and this. And it's much easier to break into a social group when the game is literally encouraging you to be social. It also, you know, a lot of times people make fun of player elimination because you're not playing the whole time. But as people are eliminated, you know, it's often like a group of four people came to play together. Once three of those people have been eliminated, everyone's kind of a solo person in that group now you know like their friends have maybe gone off to do something else play a different game it it breaks people up yep all right jason has one more question here and it has a really quick answer so i'm gonna throw it out there chris is in arkham horror the lcg yes i am ffg has ended the star wars lcg another game i was really into over the years there have been so many card games that have died what dead CCG, TCG, or LCG would you like to see come back or would pick up and play a game of? I could name Star Trek CCG or Kaiju CCG. <laughs> um, Kaiju? Maybe. There's a dough at the end, though. Kaiju dough. I think that is my battles of Kaiju in card form. Um so my I can't s- see the word, so I can't help. <laughs> oh, right. That's true. That's true. I, I forget. This isn't in the notes. This isn't our email. Um, so the quick answer to this is pretty simple. Um, which ones would I want to see come back? None of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's enough of them that already exist where if they died, they probably died for maybe not a good reason, but because they didn't hit a critical mass to make the game something that you could find new players to play with. A lot of these games are head-to-head competitive, and there's only so many of those that can exist at any given time, and it's okay that they're gone. I will say the Star Wars LCG, I was super happy to see end, because now I feel like I have a complete game. I would go back and play the Star Wars LCG again, because we have all the cards. 
we have two sets of all the cards. We can make any decks we want. And with that, that game is done. It's I don't feel like I'm missing anything. If I brought back anything else, I'm like, it's missing. And any CCG, as in collectible card game, as in rarities and packs, all of them can burn. Big fire. <laughs> we can heat the planet with the cardboard used because, yeah, there's, uh, those are just, no, collectible card games. We're done with them. Trading, like living card games or expandable card games, that's the way of the future. Um, there is, there is some fun to be collectible, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, no, it's not good for my wallet. All right. Thank you, Jason, for the questions. Um, we have another contest that I'm going to announce. So I want to know print and plays, but I need something else from our listeners. And I think I mentioned this last week, but now I put some uh, rules around it. So we are going to do an episode on memorable gaming moments. This was a request from my lovely wife, Cindy. And I have very few memorable gaming moments because there's only you've already heard them if I have them. So <laughs> I want to hear what our listeners have for memorable gaming moments. So this is going to be kind of, um, I don't know, short essay form. Not, not right, right around 500 words, which is maybe half a page of single typed text. So relatively... It's 500 words. It's 500 words. Um, this feels kind of like you're calling out Trevor Davis specifically. Um, <laughs> Trevor would definitely be able to participate in this. I would just strip the first 350 words and the last 890 words. And we would have a good story. No matter where I put it in there, there'd be a good story. <laughs> Love you, Trevor. Um, <laughs> so you have until September 18th to email this to us. We will announce the winner on September 24th. That happens to be the week that I'm going to be on a cruise. So typically, you're going to email me and I'll get you the gift card, which I haven't talked about yet, but I will. Um, but it'll just be a little week later. But anyway, September 18th, this is the deadline. And the what we're going to do is each of us are going to pick two to three entries that we like. And of those two or three entries that we like, we're going to randomly choose one person to get a $100 gift card. So if you have a cool moment or something that, you know, it's like, oh, I, you know, you want to share, write it up, reads well, um, you're going to get into that $100 gift card drawing and because one of us is going to pick you. We will not pick the same people. We'll not overlap. Um, we, if we have a tie, then we'll just pick someone else as well. But uh, for everyone else who enters and for all our patrons, you will be entered in a $50 gift card drawing um, so if you send us an email, you will be entered in to a gift card to, to win a gift card. So that is what we're going to do. I will remind people over the next two or three episodes, um, send us at least, at least 10 of you have to send us stuff so that we actually have two to three each to pick. <laughs> um, and there's lots of memorable moments out there. I just, I'm really interested in hearing what those are. And it could be anything. It could be like an epic win, or I was just about, you know, I was in the fifth hour of, you know, my, Twilight Imperium game and suddenly a giant bear broke through the window and knocked over everything and we didn't we never found out who won. Also, we don't know where Jason is anymore. So that type of thing. That would be fine. <laughs> um all right. I think that's enough talking for now. Yeah, you guys have anything else to add? Nope. nope. All right. Are you excited to hear about memorable moments? Yes. Yep. Excellent. Sounds really <laughs> keep in mind, third podcast and Kenny and I have another one to record after this. So we have the energy. We're there. You can follow us on Facebook at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast, Twitter, Tabletop Game TLK, Kitty is Lawful Good Mom, Fletcher is Net Fletch. I am Game Master Chris. And you can leave us an iTunes review. Those are cool. You can patron us at tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. If you enter before September, whenever I said, then you'll be automatically entered in that $50 card drawing as well. And if you send us a thing, then you'll be entered in the $100 one too. Um, okay, I'm done. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening, and remember, we love your feedback, so email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons, Adam Harrison, the SGC, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Michael Ohl, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Stephen Phillips, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Redke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Sydney Lum, Bill Schwartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Christopher Vincent, Nate Baz Flintham, Sean Perrick, Sean Peck, Eric Salander, 
Mike Smith, Trevor Davis, Tim Verning, Chris Lowe, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wachowiak, Emil Jewel Jacobson, Marina Stevens, Brady Meltzer, Gregory Huber, jo- Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Christopher Letgo, John Lewis, Joe Rackstad, Ron Nelson, and Neil McLaughlin. Until next week, keep playing games and happy fun. I need to make sure that my Etsy thing went through because Apple Pay is sometimes unpredictable. But I'm super looking forward to that game. I need Way to, to make sure that next week you have to read some of the Patreon <laughs> I know. names. What's with this? <laughs> you, I, <laughs> I, I saw like it, it last week and I noticed it's always while I'm already reading that I look down and go like, hey, oh, hey, I see what you did. I had nothing to do with it. You're anything. not fooling anyone. <laughs>